So we are starting the first class in the Vizel's residence. So a big mazel tov and may a lot of Torah be learned here. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's a new one? Amen. Yes. A new resident? Oh, my yes. Okay, my now, <laughs> we are continuing with our halachic slash Hasidic series. This is also a ladies class. So I have a very interesting concept that I would love to share today. But beginning with a halacha, a halacha that's dafke not women related and the question will be why and that is that for men it's extremely important to daven with a minion there are different opinions as to how important is it to the point that you have some halachic authorities that tell a person tell a man that if you're going on vacation you're not allowed to go to a place in which there is no minion well, if you heard it, don't yeah yeah. Un, let's unhear this. Oh, you ruined everything. Okay, so unhear it. But I'm just telling you. Really? Uh, oh my God! It's oh, our God. Hashem alekinu, Hashem echad. Coffee yesterday, last week. No coffee. Meal, not, no food. No, there's nothing left. We're gonna drop members by each other. <laughs> <laughs> so this is for men, and not everyone is of that opinion. But I want to first a, a little bit about from the Gemara about Minyan and why and if yeah why not women that, that, that's going to be the gist of this of today's class very much connected to the parsh of the week by, by Hashgacha Pratis but let's begin from the beginning and this is a Gemara Baruch is Davches says the Gemara Amalei the Amar Rabbi Yechanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon Bar Yoichoi my Dechsev what's the meaning of the verse Va'anit Filosi I am my prayer. Listen to these words. Lecha Hashem. To you Hashem. Et Ratzon. During a time in which you are open to my prayer. So we have this idea that we are familiar with on the human experience. That not every time are we in the same mood. And if we know ourselves well. We know that sometimes the chances of me doing A is higher than me doing B and vice versa, and with our fellow, like if you want to ask a favor from someone, we should know the concept that if you get, ask them at, the, at a better time, there's a higher chance for you getting a positive response, right? Because it's their et, that's on, it's their time in which they're open and they're willing and they're compassionate. And then there are other times that we are in a different mode. So God has this concept. So, so we're saying, there's a verse that says that I will be a prayer to you, God, when it's God's appropriate time, when God is in the mode of listening more to my prayers. And when is that? Is it Monday afternoon? No. Amos I eight Ratzon says, Rab Shimon If you have 10 men getting together and praying, or more, 10 men that are Jewish, that are 13 or older, and they are halachically more or less in the same location, that's the time in which there's a higher chance for God to respond to the prayers, and let's pray during that time. Another quote from a Tana, Tanya Nami Hachi, Rab Nasan Oimer, Minayin she'ein HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mo'yus B'tfilosim Shal God never these are very heavy words, but I'm just going to translate them. God is never despised when a prayer is coming from a group, from a rabbim. A rabbim means a minion. Before we go on, that already implies that there are times, 
I know this is very anthropomorphic. This sounds human-like. Human-like meaning, there are times that I ask something of you, eight ratzon, and there are times that my request will make you disgusted. How dare you even ask that? Where is that coming from? And there is a complete rejection. There isn't only a rejection as to, I won't grant you your request, but there's like a rejection of the person. Like how disgusting of you. God never does that when the prayer is coming from the Rabbim. Look how much we get under God's skin, so to say, kaviyachal. That there are times that even our ask, it's not only that God will say no. He's irritated. It would have been smarter for you not even to ask. These are words, I'm not making up these words, however you'll understand them. It definitely makes God very relatable. It's definitely important to know that there is a part of God, even though God has no parts, but there's a level in godliness where God is beyond all this. But there is also this type of relationship that God chose to have with us in which he's very relatable. And yeah, we can use human experience to have an understanding on that level of God. Mipsari echze elokai. Sholem HaMelech said that. And these are themes that Chabad Hasidus speaks about in great length. These are themes that in Hashkafa, people who don't yet have the merit or they chose not to learn Hasidus, they are very irritated by these words. But these are words, you have to deal with them. Understand them the way you want. Literal, not literal, mashal, chida, dibrotere, koloshen, bani adam, that's not the topic of tonight. But I just want to quote from the Gemara and, and uh, one more, just one more uh, halachic source. When there was or is slavery, slaves, when people owned a slave, This is not going to be a popular class. If this goes, if this goes online, I'll be banned. When a person owns a Evet Kanani, they are not allowed to free them. Not allowed to free them what? Free them. Oh, free them. Yeah. It's not so bad. At least we could feed them. You know, you can feed them. Can feed them. It says, it says in Parshat Bahar, Le'olam Bahem Ta'avodu. Which means that Lo'olam, forever they should work for you. And if you free them, you're violating this positive commandment. The Gemara tells us a story that Rabbi Eliezer went into a shul and there were nine Jews with him. He had a slave. He freed a slave because the Evet Kanani who will be freed becomes a bona fide, full-fledged Jewish person because to become a slave, one of the steps you need without getting into the laws of slaves is that the slave has to go to the mikvah. So there's a bris milah and there's a mikvah, but the mikvah is l'shem avdut, without getting technical. So all of the steps that are done today for a conversion, mamish, mamish, were done when someone acquired a non-Jewish slave. And if that person will become emancipated, then they automatically become Jewish. No, the two options is slave, Jew, whichever one is worse. I mean... But only Kanani? Only Kanani, yeah. Evadivri is already a Jew. There's only two types of slaves. Evad Kanani, Evadivri. Evad Kanani means a non-Ivri. Any guy is called an Evad Kanani. Oh. Someone, they have to accept Torah mitzvahs. They have to accept the Torah mitzvahs. And the Evad has the right to say, I don't want to accept the mitzvahs. And then you must sell him. Can't own him. I don't want to get into that whole topic. Right. That's a, another another uh, very really fun topic. 
probably already illegal even to be spoken about over here. But what, what Rabbi Eliezer did is, is he violated the positive commandment in the Torah in order to make a minion. From here we see just a source how important davening with a minion is. That halachically you break a positive commandment because that is considered a greater mitzvah. And yes, when there is two options, good, great, good, great, then choose the great. Minyan. So a couple of steps. First of all, when a person owns an Evid Kanani, by the way, people in Morocco, I have a neighbor that's right now in Morocco, Jeremy Avitan. People own slaves there today in 2023. Mm-hmm. Morocco. Morocco. You're excited? Go to yeah, Morocco. You're talking about um, by the non-Jews. You're talking about the, by the non-Jews. I'm talking about that it's not illegal and you can actually so own a What does that mean that it's a slave? What does that mean? What does that they, mean? They, they, they're yours forever? There's no going in? No. I'm just saying what's a different... like. What it's like like, like like marriage. like marriage. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm like I don't know. Yeah, forever. Yes. Your parent. You are you are you are forever the mother of your kids. Understand? Understand that whatever, however you want. Doesn't sound appealing to me. Huh? Doesn't sound appealing to me. I'm not saying it's appealing to you. No, I'm saying the concept. Who wants that? You don't have to pay for them. They're yours, so you don't have to get a cleaning lady every week. They're just there doing everything you need all the time. <laughs> she gets it. You don't get it. American, Israeli, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> okay. 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 Anyway, so uh, with I don't want to get off the topic, but my yeah. point from there is is that is that it, when a person owns a slave, if they free them, they become Jewish. Oh. The process of owning the slave already mechayev demands of them to go to the mikvah and have a brit milah. So they already did the steps of conversions. If they get freed, they become Jewish. The Torah says, don't free them. In the positive. The Torah says, always own them. Rabbi Eliezer, Atano, these are our greatest rabbis, freed his slave because we missed one for a minion. So that's, that is from where we see how important for a man is to daven with a minion. And the sages tell us that God will never be repulsed by our prayers. That when ten men, men get together to daven, that moment becomes a moment in which Hashem is open to listening to our prayers. So my question is, if it's so great, why wouldn't women be obligated to daven with a minion, I want to clarify my cl- uh, question. Minion of very good. If ten women get together, it's not a minion. But when there is a minion in shul, meaning when ten men gather together to daven and they're davening, whoever joins with that prayer is davening with a minion, including the women. So they get the benefits. So they get all the benefits. So my question is that if it's that important for a man to daven with a minion. If there's so much upside, why weren't women obligated to daven with a minion like a man? And make no mistake, I know I keep on repeating it. Women are obligated to daven like men are shachris and mincha. Again, whether you like, a lot of things are uncomfortable. <laughs> women related. are obligated, even though it's time related, says the Alter Rebbe, going back all the way back from the beginning, that really prayer is not time related. Really, in core, prayer has no text from God. No text. It's not formulated. Prayer means... Talk to me, 
You have a problem, talk to me. Me talking to someone else is insulting God. It's denying the emiss. I got a problem, talk to God. You have a complaint, talk to God. You want to be one, you want to be connected, you know, lonely, talk to God. If you're rejecting God, if you're solving your issues in the wrong address, it's an affront to God, then it's not going to work. And that's men and women. It's not time related. Now later the sage says, whoa, you're talking to God. Not so simple. You have to formulate it. There's a nusach. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do it in the morning and the afternoon and the evening. We'll get a little bit as much as we could do today. But that's in addition to, since it's it's not the core and the core is equal for men and for women, even when they added, and that added is normally not shayach to women, it is shayach to women. Yes, I, just to repeat, we said, the Magan Avram says that if a woman wakes up in the morning and she says, Moida'ani, she fulfilled her obligation. So you, you can say that. Because the Magan Avram doesn't understand de facto, for hundreds of years, women did not daven. If it's an obligation, how can it be? There were times that certain mitzvahs were weak, were not kept. I know that as a fact. There were many areas and many generations, certain mitzvahs were not kept. So one way is, yeah, women slacked off. He doesn't say that. He says that if they say maida'ani, and all the women that he knew said maida'ani. And all of our kids should say maida'ani because we educate them to say maida'ani. And even, even, even kids that I know today go off the derech, they say maida'ani. They, they, they're habituated. You get it. You're davent. Maidev is not the something that women have to do. Shachras and Mincha, halachically, women have to do. Okay, let's leave it at that. So why not a minion? That's what I would like to resolve. So no. Rabbi, isn't it true that uh, women are more elevated than men? And maybe they don't need to be in a group of ten? So let me tell you the following, and I'm not discounting what you're saying. That's what I learned. Okay. That's why they don't need to pray all this time and do all the mitzvot. So let me, let me say these words. I know we spoke about it already in this series a few times, but I want to give a little bit of an introduction. We learned here Shara Bitachin. And we learned the concept. Everyone learns this concept. And that is that on one hand, we have to acknowledge that all of what we need, all of what we have, is coming from God. And not from my efforts. On the other hand, we are obligated to make efforts. And, and, and if you take a step back and you say, well, what, 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 that's crazy. Like, either, either, God, you want to be the giver? Good, you give. Do it all. You want me to do it? So let me at least take ownership that I did it. What's this? It's like, it's like a gimmick. It's like, it's, it's like a, you know, I, have to, I have to work. I have to work. But then when it works, oh, it's God gave it to me. But I work, no, 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 if you're going to say, I did it, you're completely off. Like, well, doesn't it sound like a little bit like crooked? Another question, related question. It's not the same question, but it has the same answer. When does God determine what we are to get? When is that determined? Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Clear, the, the sages told us that. The expression that all of the Parnassa was determined aside of uh, tuition and uh, Shabbos and Yantav. Okay, fine. Which is a lot of money. It could be a lot of money. It should be a lot of money. So why do I daven every day for Parnas? Simple question. So it should be brought down? Oh. So the Al-Tarebbe, the Al-Tarebbe has these words. And that's big. And that, that answers both questions. Let me tell you a nice story. I don't mind saying the name because I know it's a public story. I, I had the merit to go to Sydney 
um, in 19, I think it was 87. The, the year before the Rebbitzin passed away, they, they, at that time, Sydney was the most beautiful, united Lubavitcher community ever. And not only that, when I was there, my Sydney, there was, the headquarters was called Yeshiva. Um, I think there was one other cheder, one other educational orthodox system. But other than that, anything related to Jewish life was connected to Chabad. It doesn't have to be the way. It was just, it was very nice that we were the only kosher food suppliers and we were the Chere Kaddisha. It was like a city in that that everyone acknowledged and appreciated what Lubavitch brought and the Lubavitch community was Mamish United. They had a school and as time went on, not, God forbid, to minimize secular education, I'm not going down that road, but we do have many Chabad families that opt in when the kids are younger, especially in the yeshiva years, for them not to learn the secular studies, a fact. Some do, some don't. And they came to the point where there were six families that wanted for the kids to learn the whole day Jewish studies. Legirsa, Lamode Kodesh. And they hired me. That's how I remember Sydney. I went out over there. At that time, there was a Jew by the name of Telashevsky. I think his first name was Chaim. I know that he has two kids here, Shluchim. This Jew, look at his courage. He walked by the... Re- I don't know. You know. Uh, so li- li- listen to this. This this Jew, he the Rebbe gave dollars from the early 80s. He used to walk by the Rebbe. Rebbe blessed me to be wealthy. That's it. What? what a chutzpah. I want to tell you, uh, getting on chutzpah, parenthetically, there's such a good word. It says in Pirkei Yavis that Boishas Panim, Liganeiden, Azus Panim, Ligehenim. Right? The qualities of the Jewish people is where Rachmanim, Baishanim, the Goyim Lechasadim. So Pshat is, no, be a Baishan. It's a Jewish, it is a Jewish quality. There was a big Rebbe, I don't know which one, not a Chabad Rebbe. He said that when you live in Ganeiden, you have to be a Baishan. Baishan means to be bashful, bashful. Almost shy. You can say shyish. Modest. No, it's not. He says, when you live in a Gehenim, you have to be Azuspanim. Like a dusha. Not the Pshat. Azuspanim means to be brazen. It can mean to be vulgar. It can mean to be very chutzpahdik for the right reasons. That's Azuspanim. And, and you know all these stories that people who had Azus Panim for Avas Yisrael, people who had Azus Panim for something holy, oi, do they get rewarded by, by, by all Hasidic, it's appreciated. And in life, we know that. In life, when, when the world is not the way it should be, that's the way, when you live in a Gehenim, sometimes if you have to, it should be against your nature. It should not be natural. But you got to be an Azus Panim. So that was his thing. Rebbe, and, and he, you'll see, this guy who... I want to speak about money just for a second, just to remember. Rabbi Shmuel David Reichik, of blessed memory, at Sadik from LA, who uh, we had this chus that he used to come to our home for 18 years for the month of Elul. He used to come to my parents' home because when my parents moved back to Brazil in 1976, my father wrote a beautiful letter to the Rebbe. He's a Brazilian. He grew up there since he was two. And Brazil developed from when he left and when he returned. There was another cheder and another yeshiva and there was more kosher things, Yiddishkeit was easier. Yiddishkeit was more accepted. More people are keeping Shabbos. He wrote a letter to the Rebbe, a good report, that he he came back to the city of his youth. And it's uh, amazing, but there's one thing that we lack. And what is that? Achasid. 
And he wrote to the Rebbe the story of Shmuel Munkish. Shmuel Munkish was a chassid of the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. He had a great sense of humor. And there was a time that he was working with his chevra to go to the Alter Rebbe. And when they're like five blocks away, he runs ahead. Okay, big deal. When they come there, they see that the Alter Rebbe like, has a home. And somewhere in front of the home, there was like an arch. And he, with ropes, hung himself, not by the neck. He hung himself. He was hanging by the entrance of the Alter Rebbe's house. So when they came there, they went under his hanging body. Yeah. And they told him, what are you doing? He says, what do you mean, what am I doing? He says, when you go in front of a shoe store, what do you do? You hang shoes in front of the window, so people should know that here you can get shoes. He says, if you go in front of a watch store, what do you do? In the, in the front window, you hang a watch. He says, in front of a Rebbe, you hang a chassid. <laughs> that people should know what this is about over here. So my father told him, this is the story, Shmuel Munkis, that we need a chassid. San Paulo needs a chassid. You know what the Rebbe did? The Rebbe told Shmuel David Reichik to go to Brazil one month a year. That people should see a chassid. That's a chassid. Whoever knew senior, a Jew tzaddik. Why am I saying this story? I'll tell you in a second. It's going to come to me. See, that's a sign of old age. One second. Where, where, where was I yet? I was somewhere. <laughs> about huh? money. About, oh, about money. Oh, so I was saying like this. That whenever he landed... So he stayed by us. My father was the best fundraiser, the best. And he was an Azpanim. No, it, it, it was the old style, guilting you, forcing you. Like all the, but it worked. I'm saying it worked. It was something that you're always uncomfortable with. But if you need to make the money. So he raised money for the Rebbe. And, 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 and my father and my mother considered him a tzaddik, which he was. They gave him a covet of a tzaddik. My father got all of the wealthy people of Sao Paulo to come to us. Not for him to go to them. Until now, there's a chair that my mother shipped to New York after my father passed away. His chair. No one dared sit in it. His chair. People would go by. They would get brachas. He gave brachas. People had children. Not miracles. You have no idea. The chair of Rabbi Rachel. Yeah, from our house. I'm saying. So my father always would tell him. My father spoke the same Polish Yiddish. That's not Lubavitch Yiddish. That's Polish. Like, what do you want? Kuvid or the gelt? Honor or money? And every year he would say, Matul, that was my father's name. Ich broch nicht kein Covid. I don't need honor. Ich broch Geld. <laughs> I need money. Let me tell you something. When he said the word money, it didn't sound like the money that I know. His money was not my money. His money was something holy. So I want to say it just about money. That's where I got off about money. So you said about this chassid that was walking by the rabbis and every year he would ask for money. Oh, so the, I'm saying, I, I'm, I gave all that, that this Telashevsky, I know from the fact that his money is not my money. His money is Ruchni. So I'll tell you about this Jew. And Mamish, and he had a chutzpah, and he meant, and you, you see, and he, unlike anyone else, no one got a bracha in my time. I was there in the 80s, like he got. The Rebbe gave him a bracha, like a promise, that you will be wealthy. He was not the only one that asked. Uh, Talashevsky, I forgot his first name. So what happened? You think about it, the whole thing is, is amazing. So in Sydney then, there were two people, which at, at that time were very wealthy, Lubavitcher Hasidim. They heard that Rebbe gave Talashevsky a bracha to be wealthy. Right away, he became a 30% partner, 33. They took him into the really? partnership. That's how he became He was wealthy. wealthy. The next day, the guy is wealthy. was <laughs> <laughs> wrong. The amount of tzedakah that this Jew gave, you see, you know, money, what is money? He didn't change his style of living. Bechlau. He always lived, he lived the way we live, you know, middle class people. He began to give tzedakah. He used to come to Fabrengen's in yeshiva, 
before a Lubavitcher special date. In Sydney. Sydney, I remember, Fabrengen. He was. He lived in Sydney. Whoever wants to go to the Rebbe for the next thing, he paid for the tickets. Wow. When I landed there, not that I needed it, he got for me an apartment, he got for me a car. I'm speaking about his geld, like Shmuldovit's geld, like there's geld that's coarse, like very gashmi. I don't know, certain people, when Rabbi Shmuldovit writes, he said the word money, you heard ruchni, you heard it. Even though he said it to emphasize that he wants the money, what money you have to you have to look at this Jew like from a different planet, like we don't have people like that. He used to daven the whole Shabbos. Wow. I mamish had miracles. People that were dating non-Jewish potential spouses, my father would bring and he would promise them that if they break up, he would give them brachas and mamish mukoyim his brachas. So he was he was a very holy Jew. So his guilt was holy money. And this now listen to what happened. I'm going back to the question of what you said before. This Telashevsky, leave it to leave it to Lubavitch, a guy. In a few years, none of them had money. Oh, the people who invested money? <laughs> he, he invested nothing. They were, he became a partner. What money? He lost all the money. Garnished. Telashevsky yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it went and whenever his father would walk by the Rebbe, he's amazing. His father was a chassan. The Rebbe would tell him. That that your son has a bracha to be wealthy, and if it's being delayed, tell him not to give up hope. It's gonna happen. Wow. He walked by the Rebbe. This is recorded, and he told the Rebbe, Rebbe, I know I have your bracha. I want another bracha that I should be able to cash in on your bracha. He used those words, <laughs> and the Rebbe said, Amen. <laughs> So this is a very big concept. In other words, there's an idea that you have the blessing, but it did not yet materialize. Right. Because the way God made a system is that we can't define God, but God is not this, God is not tangible. So we use the word spiritual, which is not good, but let's go with the not good. So God is so ruchni, right? God is infinite, we're finite. So the blessing is coming from God. But whatever comes from God is still very distant from me. So it has to work its way down. So it's going and it's materializing more, right? That's how it happens. And it doesn't go down one step. It goes down and it goes down and it goes down. And it can get stuck. That's the words that the Alter Rebbe says. It's like pipes. It's, it's like, like okay, the Alter Rebbe uses the word a pipe. Sinod, being clogged. So Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, that's the words of the Alter Rebbe. Whatever is meant to come to me this year is coming out from God, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's it. By the way, there's always exceptions. We could merit more. I'm not going down that path, but that's the rule. But even with the rule, the system, it can get stuck. So why am I davening every day that if it got stuck, it should come down? I want to go like this, Telashevsky did not give up hope until today. Why well, he's not rich even today. Ah! <laughs> the beauty with him is, is that even when he was rich, he was not rich. These are <laughs> great people, but rich. When, when he was rich, other people were rich. <laughs> It was not his loss. That's why I see it. It was it was my loss. He was the most generous, happy person. He's still the most generous. If he doesn't have the money, he doesn't have the money. I don't think it really ever made a difference for him. It, for me, he's the richest man in the world. He's rich in mitzvahs. He's rich in his person is rich. Is his bank account rich? I don't know. All I know is is that for years and years, and the Rebbe always had a smile when he spoke about him. Really? Because the, because he always had a smile. So when he became rich, he was smiling. When he because lost his rich, rich he might just smile. He's a rich man. He doesn't care about money. And he, he is the guy that wanted a bracha for rich. The whole thing is a joke. It's like Shmuel Duvid He wants geld. What geld? The Rebbe had so much trust in him that the, the, the bank accounts of the Rebbe, the big bank accounts, the only one that the Rebbe trusted was Shmuel Duvid I want you to know that. 
because he take he he was the most honest person around the other people who were also big tzaddik and no no one was like him. He's not shyach to this world. That's the guy you give the money to. For him, guilt is not guilt. Anyways, coming back over. So the same answer is to the first question. That what was the first question? That what what, is it, what do we mean? I have to work, but I have to know that it's God's blessing. Make up your mind. Either tell me to do it or God, you do it. That's the answer. God gives ruchnis. But for it to manifest, for it to manifest, bigashmi is I have to make a keli. My keli is only the medium through which something ruchni becomes gashmi. So I made the keli, but the blessing is not the keli. Okay, we spoke about this bashar bitach. That's a very important concept to Okay, why am I giving this in in context of what we're learning about right now? Because everything that we're speaking about, everything, is about something that is going down from a higher place to a lower place, like a blessing from Hashem. It's coming down. It's coming down from God to me. And I know that we spoke about this just a few weeks ago. Let, let's just review this. And this is a big, big ideas, very big ideas. Step number one is prayer means connection. That's the most, tefillah, not prayer. Tefillah means connection. Where do we have in the tefillah? Prayer means asking, and tefillah doesn't mean to ask. Where do we have in the Torah the word tefillah? Who knows? Not in Tanakh. I know in Tanakh, in Nach filled. Where do we have in the Torah, in the in the Chumash, the word tefillah? Not tefillah. Moshe, when he prayed to. Where do you have the word tefillah? Or uh, almost. Everyone knows when you'll say aha. Ah. Okay, where does it say the first time in the Chumash? It, it's not the word tefillah, but it's it's the same thing. No, it doesn't say tefillah there. There it says vayetar. Vayetar. That means that they were imploring. They were begging. They were anguished. No, you guys know. Naftali. That, that when that when Rachel couldn't have kids, so she gave Bila to Yaakov. So Bila first gave birth to Don, and then when she gave birth to Naftali, that's the name. Naftulei Elikim Niftalti. Naftali means I am now connected to my sister. <coughs> Meaning I brought children to Yaakov. The word Naftali means connected. Just a stump to know. She wasn't saying I'm connected to my husband. She wasn't saying she's connected to God. She felt that she she is now a wife equal to Leah. I'm connected. And that just the word Naftarashi says Naftali means connection. That's the source. That's the most accurate translation of tefillah. Connection. Connection. And, and let's go back. When it comes to connection between two parties, so there's two parts to that connection. There's A and B. There's A going to B and B going to A. And never to forget that. Could be only A goes to B. Could be only B goes to A. Could be ideally they both go towards each other. They meet somewhere in the middle. But connection implies there are two and they're trying to become one, and two becoming one has a lot of movements. Bechlal, it's two movements. So davening is praying or is Davening is connecting. That's the better translation. Now, one second. I want to say something else. 
for men, and then we'll come back to the ladies with the minion. It's very, very, very good ideas to, to, to review. Men are obligated to daven shachras and mincha, obligated as are women, and maidiv or arvis did not begin as a obligation. Later, we took it upon ourselves, we the men, as ke'ilu, an obligation. It's not an obligation. Which is not enough. Maidiv. It's called reshus, reshut. Reshus is reshin vavsof. It means it's uh, optional. Let me ask you, what prayer is a more meaningful prayer? An obligatory or an optional? I would think optional. Why? Because you're not obligated to, so you're doing it from your heart. So here we have, here we go. So we had a debate going on for hundreds of years. It's a debate. The, The debate was connected to this, but let's broaden. Let's go take a step out. Certain people are called mitzuva v'oisa. Commanded and they do. Certain people are not commanded and they do. Women. Many. So the question is, who's Godel? Godel mitzuva v'oisa. These are the words. Or Godel she'ena mitzuva v'oisa. So you had a, a few of our great chachamim became blind. And halachically, when a person is completely blind, they become exempt from many commandments. So Rabbi Yosef, he used to say that whoever will rule that greater, greater is the one who's not commanded, I'll make a party for him. He was trying to see, like, why did God make me blind? Because it's better. Ultimately, I'm here to connect to God. I'm not commanded. Now, what's underlying both sides? So you said a good logic. Because if you're not commanded and you're doing it, what's the advantage of being commanded? What's the upside of being commanded and doing? You do it. You're listening to Hashem. You're following Hashem's, you know. So these are the words. If, if the goal is to become less filled with ego, there's nothing that nullifies ego more than a commandment. You have to. People with an ego hate it. You're going to tell me what I have to? If I choose, you are giving space for me. I would love to choose it, but don't crush me. You have to means... Bitto, I'm nullifying you. Commandment takes away the ego. Commandment takes you away. Because if you are, how can I command you? Who am I to command you? Maybe you want, maybe you don't. The Rebbe said to many people that for the American Jew, the way we communicate, telling a Jew what he must do will never work in America. Americans don't accept commandments. Because they have ego. The Rebbe says to an American, you have to educate. You have to suggest. And when the person chooses something, there is no bittle. But you know what there is? There is more of the person. The person is making the choice. What I'm doing is not just by my hands, but I'm doing it. I chose. If I'm commanded to do something, even when I do it, it doesn't necessarily mean that I am doing it. I'm not even here. I'm not in the mood. I'll do it anyways. So my moods are not present. I'm suppressing my mood because if my mood would be out there, it would not do it. If I don't understand what I'm doing, if I didn't make a rational choice, but I'm makabal, kabbalah soil, who is doing it? Not my mind, my hands. So when it comes to two entities connecting, 
Here are the words. If it's about God being brought down over here, you know how God calms down here? When we lose our ego. If I have ego, that does not allow God to manifest. It's either me or God. If the purpose is to draw God down, or if when we're making a connection, the main actor is God's coming close, then commandments are gavaldic. Because they kill you. They crush you. You're commanded. You have to do it. It's not about you. It's not about you. The upside is, is that Hashem can manifest. If and when the main emphasis is not bringing Hashem down, this is a big idea, but it's about me elevating myself, I am elevated when I'm not commanded. I am not elevated when I'm bitled. When I'm bitled, I don't exist. I am elevated when I choose. I'm telling God, I want to be connected to you. You know how I'm showing it to you? I'm not only doing what you commanded me to do. I'm doing even though I was not commanded to do because I want you. I want you. I'm choosing it. Not because you commanded. The sages say that the first temple was destroyed because no one did anything beyond the letter of the law. So people say, so what? But they followed the law. That's the problem. If my whole Yiddish guide is, I'm doing my obligation. I fulfilled. I checked off that box. I did my duty. If it's about me getting close, I'm not getting close. I just fulfilled my duty. Only when I'm doing something that I'm not obligated, only is it shayach for me to be getting elevated. There is a me, and I'm elevating myself. I want to get close to God. How am I getting close? I'm choosing to do something that I'm not obligated to do. So both sides are right, depending from what perspective. There is a way to connect from choice with b one second, before that, I want to go first to general, men and women. Now that's something that we keep on learning, and that's al Kabbalah, that the main goal of men is to draw God down. Koyhanim. The main avoid of women is to elevate. Levium. That's why we learned that al is the whole idea of a, of, of a mechitza. Wait, say that last thing yes, that's important. That the direction that men are moving in, and our mission is to draw God down. To draw God down. And drawing God down works a lot better when men are commanded. You gotta. You have to. It crushes your ego. I never asked you how you feel. I'm not asking you how you think. You have to put yourself aside. Bittel. Bittel affects a hamshacha. Drawing down. Women's main avoid is to elevate. If you're elevating, you're not allowed to be commanded. It's going to crush you. You're not elevating anything. You're just becoming nothing. Elevating means, no, you know who you are. You acknowledge that there's something greater. And now I am choosing to do something. You can't choose to nullify? So Tzipar is asking a good question. Can you choose to nullify? Yes, but you could be nullified without a choice. I'll give you an example. When God gave the Torah, the sages tell us, again, same contradiction. God asked us, do you want, and what did we say? Nasa v'nishma. We chose nullified. Then the sages tell us that God lifted up a mountain and he put it on top of our heads. Coercion. And he told us, if you'll accept the Torah, then we'll be friends. And if not, I'm burying you. And we said, God, okay, we're in. 
Now I'm asking you, did we choose that? No. And Toysva says, which one was it? I'm not giving you the, 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 the Talmudic response to that. The, the mystical response is, both are needed. When we were in, when the emphasis at the moment that we have to elevate, then it has to be a choice. And even though the choice was Nasa, but we, if it's me, I'm no bitto. And there needed to be a moment in which no choice, it's coercion. Coercion works with, the, with man's mission. Coercion does not work. It's not, it doesn't function with the mission of elevation of the women's mission. Minion and the koyach of a minion is to bring God down. Very important that. In the context of elevation, mistama, a minion is going to distract. So much easier to be elevated when there's less distraction. When you're davening here in that beautiful backyard under the shade of the tree, you can definitely get elevated a lot better than going into a shul where you have a lot of people making a lot of noise. <laughs> and that's so consistent with all of the detailed halachas that, uh, like even we're mentioning, that there's less structure for the women. There's less obligation for the women. Less, 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 less. For men, there's more. It all fits. So it's not like there isn't an upside for women like there is for a man. Yes, there is. But to be machayev, you have to daven. It's, it, it goes against the whole kavana. The kavana is for you to choose. You're not chayev. You're not chayev. You're not obligated. You choose. Yes. Yes, to choose God, to choose God, to choose God. And that's why there's a lot less obligation. Now, it's not so black and white because there are certain things that we said even might have for men, it began as a optional, even for men. And women are chayiv, yes, but in the, but it's correct to say that as a system, it's a different system. Yiddishkeit presents itself differently and that is the nekud al-pi chasidis. Because it's all about connection. Yes, but it's connecting to God. God is not on my buddy-buddy. God is up and I'm down. So it's about me going up and God coming down. And both movements are needed. And we're not meant to go all the way up to God. And God doesn't want to come all the way down over here. God came all the way down, but he made Moshe, an 80-year-old man, go up a mountain. You know, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny question, but it's just a good muscle. Like, if God came all the way down from the billions of miles away in the heavens, God couldn't go down another couple of feet, and Nebuch Moshe Rabbeinu has to uh, go up a mountain? No, that's the point. God meets man. God does a lot of the descent. God wants for us to go up a little bit. And when people say, I don't feel connected, God is not here, the counter-argument could be, God came so close to you enough, now you have to go up. God also came down. You go up a little bit. You make some effort. I'm making a keili. Same thing. God gave the bracha. The bracha has to come down over here. Make a keili. Put the basket up a little bit higher. I'm not talking about the basket, about the person. You, you, you become more elevated, then, then your keili is more elevated. So even if the bracha didn't make its way all the way down to the material earth, you elevated yourself, so you're going to be makabal the bracha because you are, your reality is a higher reality. Beautiful idea. It's much harder to choose because... There is a way for the evil inclination to get every time. Because you have a choice. But if you're obligated, there's no way for it to get in. 
You know what? I, I, yes, yes, and so no. Let me tell you the other side. I'm not the. You know what? So no. That I have seen that the more people have the option to choose, the more they own it, and in the long run, the less they fail. And the more people, all of uh, by the men, I can say, from my generation, when they feel that they were forced. Right, as parents, if we're going to force our kids to be from, are they going to remain from? I don't know. If they had an experience where there was a lot of choice, it's a balance. I think, as a rule, they're going to stay from forever because you own something when you choose it. Because living in a perpetual state of bittel is not something easy because we do have an ego. And the ultimate goal is not to lose the ego, it's to have less ego, to refine the ego. Even the ego should come to God. That's the MS uh, ultimate kavana. But I'm not denying what you're saying. You're saying is true, and there's the other side. And you know, every person, every person has to know themselves. And maybe we have to know our kids better. Maybe certain children need that structure of you're obligated. I know by by for the guys, for your sons now in Labavitch, there's more and more yeshivas that are giving more and more options. When I grew up, we did hear this yeshiva called Jets. I think it's a great yeshiva. What do they do? Again, you have to learn. But they, but they give to every bacher, like they have Lahabdal and other, uh, you know, schools, not Jewish schools. You have eight topics in Yiddishkeit. You pick in the beginning of the semester what you want to learn. Kavaldik. Just that, for most people, they're going to, you chose it, they're going to do it. If you come to a place, this is what you have to learn, this is what you have to do. A lot. Depends for whom. Yes, I do. And the same thing, I don't know how the system is for the girls. I don't know. I'm just saying that, yeah, listen, everyone, ultimately, everyone is going to be different. I don't think there's a system for everyone. But these ideas are, are gold. They're gold. If, when, when you're trying to draw something down, and this is very universal, and this is shaykh to you day to day. You have to understand how to apply it everywhere. Then it's more about bittel. If the idea is elevation, it has to be more about choice. It has to be, has to be optional. And God did that. God and the Torah does that. The Torah sheds a light on that by prayer, especially how it's so different for the men and for the woman. How there are many rules for the men, no such rules for the woman. We frown upon this equality of women insisting and davening like the men. We don't. We don't see any benefit to that. We already have a men's prayer. We need a woman's prayer. The woman's prayer has to come without the minion. Has to be that way. Has to be with less structure. Has to be optional. And that's the way it is, optional. The fact. Men is mechoyif to be in shul 9.30, a woman come when they, when they are in the mood. But then when they come, they daven. That davening has a special meaning that a man can never create because he was not, uh, didn't choose. Men are mechoyif to have kids. Women are not mechoyif to have kids. Huh? But they want to. <laughs> Many women, whether they want to or not, nebach, yeah, I mean, every case is a case. Some people say, well, oh my God. All of a sudden, I woke up and I'm 35 and I never chose this. And they can be angry for the next 40 years. That's something you have to know how to deal with. But uh, God never was machai of a woman to have kids. Like, why? Because that's the whole sprach. It doesn't work. You can't, for, you can't obligate. Choose. It sounds like God didn't know machai of parents to love their kids. They love them anyways. If naturally you love them, then God was machayev. That's the biggest chayev. Anything that's natural is the biggest chayev. The opposite. Chayev. I was born that way. I'm chayev to eat. God was machayev me to breathe. That's God's doing. It wasn't my doing. 
that's the real chiyuv. I, I, that's such a humiliating thing. It should humiliate a person in a good way. Lose your, lose your ego. You know how dependent I am. If I don't eat, if I don't sleep, if I don't breathe, I'll die. Dependent, dependent, the super, super dependent. Independent, what independent? God is machai, that's, that's humiliating in a good way. That's to nullify the ego. Then there are things that you get to choose. In the context of God, anytime I choose God, beautiful, I'm connecting. I am connecting to God. Not God is connecting to me. I'm choosing that. Taka I, but at least I am connecting to God. That's the guilt of Shmuel Duvet. It's guilt. It's not guilt. Because it's not guilt. Because it's tzaddikim. Because it was used for the good. It was not about their ego at all. But it was for them. It was for God. That's it. Yeah, that's Kavaldik. So then you can have an ego and it can be for God. To be, use our ego for God. Choose God. Good.